And we are live. Welcome to Staking Mondays, everyone. My name is Ken Garofalo. I'm here with the co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel, and we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Jacob Blish, the head of business development at Lido. Welcome, Jacob. Lido, Lido is the market-leading liquid staking solution. With Lido, you can stake Ethereum, Solana, and Terra while keeping full liquidity via staking derivatives. And today we're going to be talking about uh, liquid staking, Lido DAO, token design, roadmap, landscape, and much more with Jacob. Not only that, today is a very special episode of Staking Mondays. We're giving away 5,000 USD worth of LDO. Five lucky winners will get 1,000 USD worth of LDO tokens each. And again, guys, to participate, you want to be following Staking Rewards and Lido Finance on Twitter. You want to subscribe to both Staking Rewards and Lido Finance on YouTube. And you're going to want to share your high quality questions in the chat during this interview to qualify for that giveaway. We're going to select four lucky winners for their questions to be asked at the end of this uh, episode here. And then we'll uh, reach out to you further for the distribution of the reward. So make sure you're asking your questions and adding your Twitter name at the end of your question as well. So Jacob, let's start here with the lightning round of opening questions. And what was your first crypto investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? Um, it was either, they go all kind of blurs together. It was either, um, zero X or district zero X at the time. Um, somewhere right around there in the, I think it was 2017 participated in those ICOs and they were my first non Ethereum <laughs> purchase. That's awesome. Cool. And which person inspired you the most during your crypto journey? Ooh, um, there's been a lot of people that have been really impressive. Um, some of them that have really inspired me a lot have been just some of the hard operators. They're not as famous as others, but um, my time over at Consensus, I spent about two years there, 2018 to 2020. There were a lot of people that really taught me how to just operate at a better level than I ever had previously, especially while we were still building out so much infrastructure for higher profile individuals. I'm really impressed recently with um, what Zero X Sammy's been doing over at Butterfly Cartel. I think that's been a really interesting paradigm shift in the curve wars of ratcheting up on top of, of governance more recently. And Jacob, how about the most inspiring liquid staking platform outside of Lido? <laughs> um, I guess if I had to name one, it would probably be, that's tough. Maybe Rocket Pool. All right. Cool, cool. And how do you stay up to date with crypto news and markets in general? Um, Telegram and Twitter and little to no sleep. I pretty much am always online. If I'm not working directly for Lido, I'm doing research as a hobby to figure out where I'm going to ape in next. <laughs> and that might lead us to the answer of the next one here. When's the last time you checked your crypto portfolio? Uh, at least an hour ago, maybe less. <laughs> All right. And uh, last question of the lightning round, which destination are you planning to travel to next? Uh, potentially ETH, uh, Denver for ETH Denver is the next one. All right. Very interesting. All right. So now we're going to dive a little bit deeper into decentralized liquid staking, talk more about the products that Lido offers. Uh, so to start us off, 
what led your team to pioneer liquid staking solutions? How did you guys start? Was it demand from users, something you thought could be useful for yourself, or was it a commissioned product? Yeah, so it was actually birthed out of some node operators that exist. Um, one of them, the main one is called p2p.org. And what this was before I joined, I've only been with Lido for about five and a half months now, but when they were first starting, what they realized is that proof of stake systems similar to proof of work naturally trend in a vacuum towards centralization because anyone that's running the infrastructure at scale, they're going to have the economic advantage of economies of scale. So they have more compute power, more uptime, better service and availability. So what they decided was to start working on a solution, which became known as liquid staking and eventually Lido to help kind of create a forcing function that would keep any one node operator from acquiring too much stake. So similar, similar reasons that proof of work systems were always in a balance of trying to keep them decentralized. Cool. Cool. And like, so, uh, like currently you are like market leading, uh, at least by TVL, um, across all the liquid stacking solutions. And, um, there are more like extremely fast growing, uh, liquid stacking solutions, and there will probably be much more in the future and so on. Um, so how do you think as Lido, like how are you planning to compete with other liquid stacking products? And, um, how do you think that will play out and what differentiates Lido? Yeah, so we have a hypothesis, um, which is similar to most liquidity type plays that liquidity will beget liquidity. So as one achieves network effects, it will kind of create a compounding uh, flywheel. So for us, that's, that's what we're hoping to achieve is reach a high enough TVL. And I usually describe it as productivity, liquidity, and utility. So if our ST assets, our liquid assets have enough integrations they're available and liquid as the native counterpart that should create a self-reinforcing demand function for users to want to get a hold of those and then use them in DeFi. um in terms of how we was the second part of the question how we stay on top of this or how we're differentiated or both yeah both basically i mean competition is basically yeah a, a lot of things to it um how, how will you compete and how are you positioned compared to the others? Yeah, so our positioning is if you look at the spectrum, um, this is kind of my own interpretation of it, but if we consider centralized exchanges are on one side and then on the other side would be a fully permissionless peer-to-peer -peer protocol, we sit closer towards this side of the permissionless, but we do have some functions that are, I guess I would say centralized, like we whitelist our node operators. That was specifically chosen at the time when Lido was launching. There wasn't a lot of clarity around implementation details of the merge and nothing against Bob running infrastructure out of his garage, this hypothetical person. But when we envisioned growing to billions of TVL, we didn't want to risk any slashing events or any security concerns. So we made the, the very conscious decision to whitelist our node operators to make sure there was a best in class um, service offering. Now that we've reached a more mature point, the merge is coming soon and we'll be here hopefully in the next three to six months, we're gonna be more aggressively moving to a truly permissionless model. And that is also what is our differentiator from some other providers. So centralized exchanges offer a 
an amazing UI and UX. I can't knock them because you can swipe your credit card, use your email, and suddenly you have ETH and you can even liquefy it potentially. Um, but it comes with centralization concerns. On the other end of the spectrum, we do sometimes get called a VC protocol or the fact that we're not truly permissionless as kind of some of our the dings against us. And we're aware of those, but like I said, we are working towards those and it was a very intentional choice to have some levels of control while so much was unknown, at least for Ethereum. Yeah, and I think facing like the UI UX issue from centralized players, you're never gonna really overcome that. You can always work towards that, but it's always gonna be a hurdle at first, right? Um, exactly. It, and so I'm really excited about the Lido uh, derivative products. And from a new user perspective, let's talk about uh, Lunar. Yes. <clears throat> taking natively and why would you? I'm sorry. Could you say that again? It, oh, here are uh, questions popping up. Yeah, basically. So <laughs> if you were going to suggest to your friends uh, who wanted to stake, Solana or Terra, for instance, would you suggest to them to stake with these uh, Lido derivative products or would you suggest they stake natively? And why would you suggest that? So I would suggest the liquid staking. Um, the reason I suggest that is you get the portability and usability of having a liquid synthetic. So at least for Ethereum, where there are no withdrawals, um, you're kind of locking up your collateral and you get it back when when the merge is ready. For the other protocols, um, it depends on the bonding and unbonding period. Solana's is fairly short. It's one to two epochs, which is roughly two to four days. So if you did do native staking, there's not a huge loss in terms of uh, locked up collateral. However, you have the opportunity for additional yield earning strategies in DeFi when you have the liquid synthetic. So you can, taking Solana, which is earning, I might mess up the exact percentages, so don't, don't crucify me, please, but six and a half percent or so. But if you take that and then put it into a lending protocol, you can now earn an additional couple of percent on top of it. And then if you were able to borrow yields, you can then compound that further with relatively little additional risk or the risk of impermanent loss. If you'd feel like taking on impermanent loss, you can go into even more aggressive strategies, but you know, kind of choose your own adventure, I guess is what I would say. That's cool. And can you walk us a little bit through the, uh... Lido infrastructure, like how, how did you handle like the validator selection, slashing, um, change in validators and um, like everything else that's happening kind of behind the scenes? And is that also like um, like a, a value proposition that you would explain to someone or um, yeah, how, how does that work? Yeah, so the, the current process is that there's a, the, everything's controlled by the DAO, which is handled on Aragon through on-chain voting. Um, including updating, either adding new validators, removing a current existing validator, or increasing the validator's key limits. So when any new validator is voted into the, the whitelist, they're basically given a um, lower threshold than some of the others to make sure as they're onboarding that nothing breaks or goes wrong. Because our uh, the way we handle slashing events is they're socialized across the entire pool of locked collateral in Lido. So if one of our providers ends up slashing, it impacts everyone and it turns out to be a relatively nominal fee if it does. To date, we've had zero slashing events. Um, so that's awesome. But the, the process is that we bring them on board slowly. 
and make sure that things are going well, work through any issues that they might have, you know, working with the protocol until they reach parity with some of the other node operators. And all of that, again, is handled through through on-chain votes to either add new ones or withdraw, change their key limits, et cetera. Excellent. So some of those on-chain votes, uh, those are being handled by the LDO token itself, right? Correct. Okay. Awesome. So everyone that's going to participate in the giveaway today, you might have the opportunity to help shape the future of validator selection for Lido. Um, so really interesting stuff. Now, is there any performance trade-off to using Lido as opposed to native staking? Good question. I have not heard about there being a performance trade-off. There is in the sense that you lose 10% of your yield on any of the assets staked. We do have a protocol fee. So if ETH is earning you 5% APR, we take 0.5% of that, and the protocol does, and that's split between our node operating infrastructure partners, as well as the the long-term DAO treasury for, for operating expenses, et cetera. So in, in that sense, you might lose some economic throughput, but I haven't heard anything um, performance-wise mentioned otherwise. Yeah, so thinking about that fee, that 10%, right? So that's basically the trade-off you have to get your, your asset liquid and still earning some kind of yield, right, from the... Um, the liquid staking correct function, that's right? our that's our service provider fee if you want to think of it that way yeah is is there any like performance trade-off from like the actual node efficiency level or because if you think like okay you're you're doing like you integrated a lot of validators and it will likely be like the average performance from all of them um like how, how does that work and how much do you allocate toward like uh, these certain certain validators. Is it like if someone passes like the first threshold, do they have like unlimited kind of or like how, how do you allocate the resources there internally? Yeah, so it's no one has an uncapped, uh, no node operator is uncapped on the number of validators. What we try to do is, and this is moon math that's beyond my pay grade, but there is a an algorithmic process. So any native assets that are received by the deposit contract for Lido are then assigned proportionately to all the node operators and their validator sets in order to keep everyone as close to equal as we are able to so that no one node operator acquires too much staking power. Um, and like I said, so far today, we've had no, no slashing events. That is inevitably going to happen at some point in the future, uh, regardless of network. It's hardware just goes down and there's things that happen. We are currently working on the next phase of the sub, what did we call it? The node operator sub governance group. We're going to be standing up dashboards and analytics so that we can monitor performance. So that way, if there is a node operator that isn't performing as well, we have metrics and the ability to kind of limit them from increasing their validator set and key limits until they, they reach parity with the rest of the group, as it were. Or if someone's being a bad actor or performing poorly, we can potentially vote them off the island. All right, that makes sense. And so so what, what have been your design choices with like the accrued rewards to derivatives? So when someone receives the rewards, can they uh, like basically the uh, STEs uh, will just in increase in, in value, right? And how, how do you ensure that like the pack between the native tokens and the derivative always um, is like insured kind of? Um, 
yeah like like how does that work like the the pack and then also um what were your choice to um choose the model where the derivative constantly accrues in price rather than like a one-to-one -one pack so the the two options we chose rebasing originally because from a user perspective it's much easier to know exactly what you're going to get if you have three ste you are entitled to three ETH. no no math needs to be done however um in hindsight rebasing tokens not all platforms support so it was a little bit more of a technical trade-off so some platforms it's technically more difficult to work with rebasing tokens so that's why we created the wrapped version um the wrapped version instead of increasing in balance increases in value proportional to your amount of the pool in the underlying asset and generally because those are fixed in terms of balance they're much easier to bridge some platforms work better with them we have in our minds we would love everyone to use rebasing because again it's just a, a better user experience um in terms of holding the peg that is <laughs> that is like our number one milestone and mission that we have to always be watching out for so the way that we balance it on ethereum because there is no real withdrawal is that we maintain a very very deep and liquid pool on curve that um works with rebasing tokens so sdeth was was natively supported there and we make sure that there's more than enough liquidity in case of liquidations off of a lending platform or if a whale swims through and decides they want to exchange $50 million worth of ether that the, uh, the peg is held. What we've noticed is on newer networks since we just recently launched to Solana about three months ago is that, and this isn't a, a tested one, but it is a hypothesis, is that the shorter the window is for withdrawals, meaning Solana only has two to four days for withdrawals versus arguably infinite for Ethereum, Polkadot's 28 days or maybe 21. As the bonding and unbonding period gets longer, holding the peg is more and more critical. But as it gets shorter, it's less of a priority to hold the peg because worst case, someone can just go exit the staking contract natively if they so desire. So that's been the way we've maintained it is just making sure we have really, really deep liquidity available whenever we do need to hold that peg. Right. So the... Uh... The liquidity on Curve, that's like incentivized by LDO tokens. So how, how do you achieve the deep liquidity? Uh, liquidity incentives. We're, we're starting to explore new new pathways, the Curve Wars and bribing. We're going to be testing some out there um, and see the, the ROI relative because one of the things is we have to be a little bit more conservative than some other protocols because we cannot risk breaking the peg or messing with that curve pool too much. So we don't want to just like turn off liquidity rewards and start bribing 100% off the bat just because if we did break the peg, that would be that would be bad juju for us. Certainly, yeah. And, and then so like if there's no like um, or if the peg is only insured by deep liquidity, it means there is sometimes probably like a um a price difference between the derivatives and the native token right and then like my question would be like wh what's the decision factor for someone to like either mint the token or to buy it in the open because there, there may be different prices or like wh what are other trade-offs um or decision factors in general yeah um because of the fun of the popularity of ethereum with its gas costs We've actually seen some enterprising 
I guess, devs working on strategies that determine if it's cheaper to natively stake or if it's cheaper to go into the curve pool and swap. And depending on if the peg is drifted by one or 2% and the cost of the Ethereum network, um, some people have built little strategies to optimize around that. And very candidly, because of Ethereum, for very small deposits into Lido, it is not actually cost effective at all. Because if you were depositing 0.1 ETH, and you're going to be spending 150 or 200 dollars on the gas cost is that even really worth it which is why we are internally prioritizing our l2 strategy and looking at how we're going to expand to which l2s or side chains or you know non-ethereum evms but that's becoming a big priority as well because the small retail has just been kind of clipped off of natively staking for most days just do that cost yeah, and definitely interesting. You kind of already identified that L2 is going to be a solution to work around those high gas fees. Uh, so I know you kind of already touched on this, Jacob, but getting back to validator selections, are you concerned about a centralization of stake in certain selected validators? Or if you could just retouch on the design that you guys came up with to work against that threat? Yeah, so the the way we try to work against it is keeping any single node operator from holding too much as a relative percentage of the assets staked with Lido. And not all of our node operators are the same on every single network. Um, some have overlap, some don't. We actually went through, we're going through this process currently because two of our node operators, um, oh, I wish I could remember. I think it's Block Daemon and Any Block are actually going through a merger right now. So we're going through this process internally of making sure that they don't acquire too much stake themselves because effectively if they merge their two node operators but our algorithm sees them as two separate ones it'll keep the distribution even but since they're under one entity they're effectively getting twice as much stake allocation so um that's actually not under my direct purview of how we're working through that merge but that's been a new governance um item that we're exploring and it will probably happen again as other operators decide to merge or split or what have you. All right. And then like a, a, apart from that, like what have been like the biggest roadblocks for you and the team um, during building like LidoS, like one of the first liquid staking products um, or like, yeah, probably if, if not like the first, like very, the first one was like a lot of traction. Um, yeah. What was the biggest challenge for you guys? Um, there's, <clears throat> there's been a couple. We, we are trying to stay very neutral as a DAO. And what that means, we have no corporate entity, no legal structure. Um, I'm a member of the DAO, so I'm paid by an on-chain vote. Um, that means we have certain restrictions, or I guess I'd say pitfalls, that we need to be very mindful of. We can't do things like paying directly or indirectly for centralized exchange listings. So some exchanges, they say we have a listing fee. Some will say we don't have a listing fee, but could you do a marketing promotion and we'll list you where maybe you do an airdrop to our users. Anything that remotely looks like we might be paying a centralized exchange as a DAO could be seen as influencing the market. So generally from a legal perspective, we, we just can't play that game. Um, we have to be careful about calling people using words like investors versus token holders or members. Um, so there's a lot of those considerations that 
seems silly, but if the Dow were to get involved in any sort of like legal implications, that could affect us negatively quite a bit. Um, the other thing is being a Dow bridging across the time zones. I know that's what crypto is, but getting things lined up. I'm I'm U.S. based. A large percentage of the team is in Europe or Eastern Europe, so I'm waking up very early. So there's considerations around that. The the single biggest though that's not unique to us is anyone that's launching a new asset is understanding kind of the the series of steps required to get all of these integrations like Chainlink is a really important Oracle on the Ethereum network, but you can't just go and get a Chainlink price feed. But that was a blocker for things like Aave integrations or compound integrations for lending. But to get those, we had to be listed on a few different AMMs and DEXs. So we had to go to Sushi and OneInch and Balancer and Curve and get listed across those and make sure they have sufficient liquidity. Well, what's sufficient liquidity? How are we going to get that sufficient liquidity? So there's a series of these steps that you know any other asset is going to have to go through and figuring out what the, the order of operations is is just it's not hard in the sense of like difficult it's hard in the sense of it just takes time and effort and connecting with the right people writing the proposals and the right DAOs, making sure you're whipping up votes for proposals i often sometimes feel like i'm a member of congress here in the states because i have to go around and be like hey we're going to be launching a proposal make sure you have your keys ready or do you have any anything that you want to mention publicly that's a blocker for this because you want to almost make sure a proposal's ready to be passed before it's actually posted. Um, so there's a lot of like preemptive conversations in the governing process, which is just exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like a lot of projects have uh, issues with the governance process as well. But uh, yeah. talking back to where you mentioned the DAO structure and having, uh, to use your words carefully, investor compared to token holder, uh, marketing campaigns compared to paying for listings on centralized exchanges. Uh, have you faced any other regulatory feedback or hurdles for the products that you've created? Uh, seemingly, it may be harder for the user to track their own tax liabilities in their own jurisdictions uh, based on the staking profits being earned. Um, are you seeing that as an issue that users are talking about or have you specifically faced any other legal hurdles or regulatory hurdles? Yeah, we we ourselves as the DAO have not, but some of our some of the purchasers of SD assets across our various networks, um, and it's not anything that we're directly able to influence. There's questions around the regulatory and legal implications. So, first, it's a it's at least a, I'll speak for here in the states because obviously I know U.S. better than others, but. For the US, we we have little to no clarity. It's ETH and Bitcoin used to be securities, but they no longer are. But we don't have any map of like when that transition happened. Everything else, you should generally treat it as an asset and pay your taxes, which isn't really helpful. For larger institutions that we've been speaking to that are looking to explore getting into the crypto space, especially staking or liquid staking, they have questions around what are the tax implications for this? Because if we have a bundle of ETH, and we convert it to STETH, is that a taxable event? When the token rebases every 24 hours, is that a taxable event? So we are working with some firms to try to get market art, like industry pieces about liquid staking as a whole, not just for Lido, because if we kind of wait for regulation to come and say, this is how to do it, it's gonna be bad, not just for Lido, it's gonna be bad for the whole industry of liquid staking. So we are working internally to start putting together some working groups with larger firms and some of our own competitors so that we can answer these questions because 
you know, a teacher's pension fund or Goldman Sachs or these large, large uh, providers. I know some some Web3 people hate me even mentioning this, but they're going to enter the space and they're going to do it in a controlled and safe manner. And if we do accept that as an inevitability, we would like Lido to be positioned to have the basket ready to capture some of those funds, very honestly, because it's going to be a large amount of capital. Um, so we are trying to be methodical and work through that to the best of our ability. But as everyone else knows, it's just a muddy puddle. There's no clarity at all. So you're kind of the blind leading the blind right now. But we're trying our best, <laughs> which is really not an answer. So I apologize for that. Yeah, but I mean, that I, I think that's an issue for everyone in crypto, right? Like there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, a lot of things have to be figured out along the way. Um, well, and we are trying yeah. to use our our leadership position right now to try to overcome the free rider problem of like, well, no one's going to do this. Someone's got to do this. So we're kind of, we're trying to make the first step, even if it's a clumsy one, just to get the ball rolling because it has to happen. Like I said, or else regulation will come down with or without us. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think regulation is generally a good thing for this space, um, which will help you and like everyone else in this space, including us to grow as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so far, Lido is like the, the biggest liquid second solution and you support Ethereum, Solana and Luna. Um, like a uh, big question of the day, like which tokens are next? And maybe before you answer that, let, let's get some sentiment from the community. We have like 44 people watching live right now. Um, which token do you guys want to see next on Lido supported? And um, also, yeah, let's give some sentiment um, which one you want to see. It. And also make sure like to drop your questions with your Twitter username um, to enter the, the giveaway, which we will um, announce the winners at the end of the show here. So yeah, um, question for, for you, Jacob. You can already start answering. Um, we we'll okay. see some, some answers from the community here. Yeah, drop um, drop some alpha, although I guess it's not really alpha because it is on a governance forum if you decide to go digging. But um, STMatic is going to be the next network we expand to with Polygon. Um, fingers crossed, depending on audit schedules, which the industry, if you look for a new business to stand up, stand up an auditing firm because there's a desperate backlog everywhere. Um, so STMatic should be launching end of this month, beginning of February. Again, fingers crossed on timing. Shortly after that, we're going to have STKSM for the Kusama network, then ST dot, and then I'm not going to give a timeline for Adam, but we are working on ST Adam as well in, in the Cosmos hub, but, you know, maybe Q3, but that's so far out, I don't want to give any anything prescriptive, but Matic is going to be in the order of weeks, KSM is in the order of maybe a month, and dot will be between that and Adam. All right. So, so you do KSM before dot, right? Or correct. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I I, I see. Uh, dot is dot Phantom and Atom. Um, it's mentioned a lot here in the comments. And uh, we are, we are exploring. Um, we're exploring with the foundations of the respective chains, but we're looking at near, looking at Avalanche, looking at Phantom. Um, We've even been approached by other other foundations going, if it's proof of stake, we've probably been at least considering or in conversations with them. 
but the the ones I listed are the ones I know for sure are coming up in a short time horizon relative to the others. Definitely getting some users excited in the chat. I see there, so that's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now uh, hopping to talk a little bit more about Lido DAO. So this is the community that builds liquid staking services and governs the direction of Lido. You're part of the DAO. Can you elaborate on all of the utility that LDO, the Lido DAO token, brings to your ecosystem? Yeah, so very candidly right now, the LDO token has a fairly simple and straightforward function outside of liquidity rewards, which isn't really related to governance. It's purely voting for various aspects of the DAO. We try to keep on-chain voting due to the cost to be anything related to movement of funds. So if we're paying myself or someone else out of the DAO or we're getting ready to move a bundle of LDO for liquidity incentives, that's usually brought into an on-chain vote. For things that are more operational, those are through snapshot, where unless it's contentious, we'll just skip the on-chain vote if it's a clear, yes, we want this. Um, so right now, the LDO token is basically writes on future cash flows, if you want, for the revenue that Lido is making and making on-chain and governance decisions for voting. And again, if you could just kind of explain further how people can participate in the Lido DAO, uh, maybe even more so how you're structured internally and organized as a DAO, the different positions, including yourself. Yeah. Um, so the, the best way to get involved is I would not say Telegram because our, our Telegram, main Lido Telegram is just like 8,000 people in a single thread. But we do have a Discord that has channel breakdowns and we're moving more of the team over there. Um, Discord has some OPSEC issues that we're mindful of, but if you really just want to jump in, it's go to research.lido.fi, our governance forums, where we discuss a lot of the proposals that are either in the process of being voted through or they're still in the discovery phase. Um, Discord is where we are just day to day. Um, what was the other part of your question? I apologize. Um, if you could just sort of identify the different positions within the DAO as well. Yeah, so we we have the top level LDO holders, which is you know the the board of directors type of play, if you want to think of it that way. Um, we are working through breaking out subcommittees or sub governance groups. What we've discovered, and I've seen a bunch of other DAOs have done this. I know Alchemics and Olympus DAO have been doing this as well. Um, so one of the ones I stood up recently is I stood up a rewards committee. So instead of passing every liquidity mining incentive or top up program to an on-chain vote to the larger DAO uh, governance group, I stood up a smaller group that's, I believe, seven right now, and it has its own multi-sig that's four of seven. And it specializes and it does one thing and one thing only, deployment of LDO for incentives. That's its only function. But what that does is it releases some of the operational burden or voter fatigue that happens to the larger DAO. What was happening, and again, we're not alone, all DAOs go through this. Not everyone is equipped or has the understanding to be voting on every single proposal. And what that ends up doing is creating a tremendous amount of voter fatigue. And then that gets compounded of you start not being able to pass certain proposals, even if they're very low contentious proposals. So we've stood up like a Lego program, which is our grants arm, where we can deploy funds to, to projects or individuals that are doing uh, either research that's beneficial for the, the protocol, meaning like Ethereum or Solana, or just working on a cool project. We have the 
rewards committee for incentive programs. Um, the BD section is just me right now, but I'm getting ready to onboard a few members. So I'll have a BD subcommittee. Um, basically, we'll just continue spinning out specialized work groups that will report back up to the main DAO as needed, but they can operate semi-autonomously. So, so how does it work specifically if someone like um, maybe here even from the chat wants to participate and like get involved um, in in the Lido DAO? Like, do you do you accept applications or anything, or like just go and contribute in the forum and on the Discord and like um, kind of involve yourself, or um, do you have like a, a very formal process for like onboarding? Um, yeah let's say employees or DAO members and yeah yeah um so in this sense no we don't have a clear process we are working on it um the first year of our existence was basically keeping things held together with duct tape because we just grew so quickly that formal process were deprioritized versus just making sure everything was safe and operating accordingly and launching into new networks. We are standing up, like I'm working on a couple things internally, like a bounty board, which are smaller community tasks that I as BD and partnerships could use help with that will have nominal like LDO rewards amounts if they help um, get those executed. In terms of getting involved, we always look for people to either pop up and start offering feedback on the discussions in the forum or in the discord themselves um there is no formal process there's actually someone that we're onboarding that was from the community to the bd team um they just started talking on the forums and they made really good points and good thought process they weren't just saying hey can we get can you give us money um those kind of responses generally aren't helpful for lido um so this person just started getting really active about two months ago and i reached out to them and was like do you want to work more full time with us? Because we'd love to have you. Um, but we're working on formalizing it because one of the problems, not just at Lido, any DAO is if you want to get interested or if you want to participate, you drop into the Discord. There's like 50 different channels and it's like you don't even know where to go. And so a lot of DAOs that I've been talking to about this, they're building kind of an onboarding flow where you'll have a couple channels that will kind of help get you situated with different roles or teams or areas of focus that you might be able to join and then have you have like onboard specialists we're not there yet but there's a lot of DAOs working on this at the same time as us and we're trying to share notes across how do you DAO? because we need to learn how to DAO too <laughs> yeah yeah no that, that's definitely something everyone is freaking out right now um so yeah exciting um looking like into the next few months um like you already mentioned that like you will like support more tokens, Matic, KSM, um, Atom, Dot, and so on. Um, what are the other plans that you have and, and what's how, how does your roadmap look like? Um, what can everyone look forward to? So for most of, I'm going to say this year, just pending un unknowns about the merge, um, we have some fairly large, obvious boulders that are going to take up most of our time. Launching onto new networks, the ones I've already mentioned, plus probably at least two to three more if if we're able to by the end of the year. Handling the merge and migration for the merge as we switch to um, moving everything over to the proof of stake and then eventually unlocking withdrawals, making sure that nothing breaks during that time. 
Um, moving into L2s, that's becoming a larger and larger priority. The trick there is which L2 sidechain rollup is going to be the winner or which ones will be the winners, because right now it's so early and the technical overhead of deploying, if we were to attempt to do like native staking on an L2, making sure that we pick the right one that's going to be a long-term partner and doesn't act as a flash in the pan and then disappear in three months where we, we have a bunch of technical debt. Longer term, as we start building across more networks, it's going to be increasing the interoperability of our various assets across chain. One um, is also exploring new products. I really love this idea, which this is not alpha. This is just a total, you know, pie in the sky idea here is making a index or ETF type product with someone like maybe index coop that holds a basket of all Lido assets, because what that does is it gives a potential person, a person, potential exposure and a macro view across all L1s and L2s in theory, as we expand across networks. So that could be really interesting, especially for more institutional players. Um, someone approached me, this is a, a really cool idea. I said, go write up a proposal and we'll give you a grant for it. They were talking about coming up with like their own Enderman based Lido chain, which would allow native staking almost like as a satellite hub. And then you could deploy across using IBC and bridging. Um, just looking at next order functions, like once we've assumed we've expanded across most of the key L1s and protocols, looking at like future product development. But candidly, that's probably a few years out at this point. There's quite a few networks we still need to expand to and, and integrate with. Yeah, and, and thank you for providing some insight into what your future will look like here at Lido. Um, now, I wonder if you could put the uh, the weather forecaster hat on again and sort of give us an outlook in your mind what liquid staking solutions will look like in two to four years time from now. What role will Lido continue to play in that that future? And what market share will liquid staking have over native staking? And how much of that do you expect Lido to capture? Well, if we if we do our job correctly, um, I think Lido will capture a significant majority of it. But again, it will be our hypothesis, just like most other uh, protocols when it comes to liquidity, is it will be a winner takes most or a few winners take most. Um, and that's in our view, that's not good or bad. It's just a capital efficiency play. It just it's how the world tends to work. So. We view Lido as becoming more of a middleware where you may not necessarily know you're interacting with our ST assets. Because if we're natively integrated with a, you know, a wallet or an exchange or a custody provider, you may never have to visit the Lido website at all. You just perform an action and you get this, this STETH or STSOL asset that you can then use in DeFi. So I think more and more over time, we will as a brand, I guess, disappear maybe sounds negative, but will become more of a middleware player, which I think is actually optimal because I think most people won't know what they're doing with blockchain on the back end anyway. It's like the internet, you don't, most people don't know what TCP IP or HTTPS protocols are. They see a padlock and a green check and they're like, cool, I'm safe. Let's go watch some cat videos. Um, so that's that's where I see us growing over time is more just continuing to, to cement our position. If there is continued research and development on liquid staking, I'm sure there will be other providers that offer slightly differentiated approaches. There are some providers that instead of having a single token, take a two token approach, and maybe there will be benefits that, you know, liquid staking is such a new industry. It's hard to know if we've 
canvassed the entire design space and know about every single edge case that might exist. But there are different approaches. There was um, some providers are using a principal and a yield token, kind of like fixed income protocols do, where you have two, when you deposit, let's say ETH, you get two tokens back. One represents the collateral ETH, one represents the accrued interest, so that they're fully separate. Um, that might be better for tax reporting purposes, in theory. I'm not sure, but I think we'll see continued work on the design space. Um, and if anything new or novel is approached, that'll gain some market share there or get adopted by other protocols. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so you've also been very good in like integrating with, with other um, or like integrating ST assets into like other applications and uh, making them actually useful um, for additional yield. Um, what do you like as a very actionable advice, what, what do you um, suggest or like what are the best options in general to um, put your ST assets to work? Like where, where can you earn additional yield and what can you do with the ST assets? What, what's the, what's your suggestion? And also what are you working on? Like what's coming next for it? And um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do your own research. This is not investment advice, all those good things. Um, it really depends on your risk profile. If you want to have little to no exposure to impermanent loss, we have stable swap pools on most protocols that we're launching to, which is just the ST asset with the native asset. So ST ETH and ETH or ST SOL and SOL. Um, those effectively cut your yield on the staking um, asset in half. So if you have 100 ST ETH and put it into curve, it's going to convert half of that to ETH so that it has a balanced position. So in effect, you lose half of your exposure to the yield there, but you don't have impermanent loss. But then at the same time, you earn additional yield because of liquidity rewards and trading fees. If you want a little bit higher APR, you can go to, I guess I'd say non-stable swap or more traditional AMMs. Um, lending protocols is always a good one because you can maintain exposure to the underlying asset without having to do any impermanent loss as well. And then you can go and borrow stable coins if you want to do stable car stable coin farming. The ones that excite me the most are newer ones like covered call options. We have an integration with Ribbon on Ethereum, and there's a couple. It's Tap, Katana, and Friction over on Solana. There's a new protocol called Prism that's getting ready to launch on Terra. Um, those do fixed income where they basically, as I mentioned before, they strip the yield from the principal. And then you can choose to optimize around yield or optimize around um, lower risk and basically a safer bet. Um, it, it really, I don't want to get lost too much in my own head here. This is what I do day to day is looking at where we need to integrate. Um, it really depends on your risk tolerance. If you really want to ape, you can do you know leveraged yield. So you could do things like go to a lending protocol, borrow the native asset from yourself and loop around to effectively form leverage. We have other protocols that are going to be integrating that will offer leverage as well. But that's that comes with significant more risk, but also much more reward if there's you know less volatility. Um, I guess I will say one, the way I look at things, which might help to understand how we kind of prioritize as we grow into new networks is it's almost like a ladder. I view DeFi as kind of a ladder function. You know, the first tier is you need AMNs and DEXs that allows people to enter and exit the positions from SD assets very quickly. The next part of the ladder would be money markets. Like that could be MakerDAO where you deposit your collateral and borrow a stable coin. 
or on Terra, that would be with UST, or that could be lending protocols where you deposit and borrow stable coins. Then the third tier is where you get into more traditional finance type of plays. So you have fixed incomes, covered calls, we're getting into leverage, options, all the exotic stuff that comes with potentially higher yield and return, um, but with more risk as well. So that's like how I look at growing our, our integrations with most, right. most do, ecosystems. Do you have, do you, yeah, do, do you have any... Um like resources page or anything where someone can go to and like learn about all the integrations of SD assets. So, so on Solana, we've now stood up a D we call it a DeFi dashboard where you can see where you can earn additional yield and then kind of choose your own adventure from there. We're now replicating that across Ethereum. Granted, Terra is still getting ready to emerge with their DeFi ecosystem. So outside of anchor and soon to be Astroport, there's not a lot of options, but Short answer, yes, we are standing up a DeFi dashboard so you can see where all the integration paths are and you can choose your yield strategies off of those. Awesome. Thank you for dropping all that uh, that alpha <laughs> in the chat here. It might be even more valuable than the giveaway we're about to get into, honestly. And those dashboards seem like a great uh, place to start to go to depict where your journey will go um, for your yield chasing initiatives there. Um, so to start here, we're going to announce the winner of the retweet and tag two friends contest. And the winner is drum roll. <clears throat> no one underscore PK Twitter handle. So we'll be reaching out with you uh, and congratulations. That'll be 1000 USD worth of LDO. And next up, we're going to get into the community questions. So our producer here at the staking Mondays podcast has chosen four specific community questions that were asked during the live stream here. And the first winner, again, this is 1,000 USD worth of LDO. Congratulations to John Bettel. What is the ultimate goal of Lido? Ooh, the ultimate goal of Lido is to be the leading liquid staking provider. And, you know, our, our mission across all of this is to make staking simple, secure, and at the same time, keeping proof of stake protocols as decentralized as we are able to. So we pretty much want anyone to be able to stake quickly, easily, and have high utility with, with ST assets out of the gate. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. And next question here we have from Blockchain Bud. Are you still able to contribute to protocol governance when you have liquid stake, the corresponding asset with Lido? Uh, proposal votings on Terra Luna governance, for example. That is something we are working on. So as of right now, the answer is no. You have to pick between those sweet, sweet yields or being involved in governance. But we are working and looking at the design space about how we would allow that. Um, very candidly, Convex and the Curve Wars has given a lot of like market-leading initiative on this type of stuff. So the short answer, not yet, but we are exploring it. All right. Uh, actually, I have a question uh, along those lines. Is um, so imagine someone would do like, or for example, like the the airdrops from like Luna, for example, or like other airdrops. Like, are they also shared with like ST asset holders? Or like, how, how do you handle like airdrops in general? Yes, um, explicitly since Terra has a, I guess a community initiative almost of airdropping to to Luna holders. Our ST Luna does receive airdrops, 
we are working on making them claimable. So right now you just can't claim them. They're kind of sitting off to the side waiting to be collected. But that's one of our, our next pushes on the ST Luna side is to make those claimable for, for users. Cause we don't, we don't want to take your, <laughs> we don't want to take any users airdrops for B Luna, which is the anchor bonded integration of Luna that we, we help design. Those airdrops are converted to the UST yield and they use that to help power the 20% the yield that anchor provides you. So they, they sell all of them, including the yield and convert it to UST on the back end. But for ST Luna, which is kind of the sister one made for DeFi, those will have claimable airdrops. And that's our goal is to, we don't ever want to take users like additional yield that potentially might come through for holding the token or the asset. That's awesome. Cool. Um, and then next winner is um, Altiana. And uh, the question is, what are the biggest risks you currently see in the liquid staking space? And what are the steps that you're taking to mitigate that risk? So congratulations to Altiana. Um, $1,000 worth of LDO tokens. Um, that's amazing. Um, yeah. What are the biggest risks, Jacob? So high level. Um biggest risks would be specifically I, I don't mean to always come back and beat up ethereum about this but since the merge is kind of a big deal for all of ethereum not just lido um if the merge keeps getting delayed for let's just pretend two to four more years i don't know if that's going to happen i really hope it doesn't but if the merge ever got delayed or just kind of didn't happen that changes the entire narrative of what Lido and liquid staking as a whole is meant for on Ethereum. So that's a far chance, but it is an, an example of a, a risk. The others are governance and regulatory from any of the sovereign nations that are around the world. If they come down like China did last year on mining and just say liquid staking is a security and we hate it and get out of here, um, that could be a really bad influence. But again, that's not just Lido. That's an industry problem. Um, those two are definitely the biggest. In terms of risk for Lido specifically, it would be, I guess, a, an exploit that's found, like a zero-day type exploit found in the code or something that we're not aware of. Um, that's why we have multi-million dollar bounties through Immunify, because we're hoping to catch those if that was to happen and even last year there was a uh vulnerability that was identified by one of our competitors that i i believe it was stakehound apologies if i'm missing this if you're listening but um i think it was stakehound who found it and they actually told everyone that it was that was at risk and i thought that was a really amazing example of even though we're collaborator or competitors there's still a need to collaborate while we're so early in this space because it impacted not just them, but it impacted Lido and Rocket Pool and a few others. And I think that's, I guess that could be one of the biggest risks I see is if we worry too much about competition while this industry is so nascent and young, instead of kind of growing the whole pie for everyone, that could also create some really big risks for both us and the whole industry of liquid staking. That's a great, great answer, I think. Um, it's really... We are building something very big here. We are rebuilding finance from bottoms up, basically. Um, so we have to collaborate and, and can't compete too much. Well, I, I think competition is good, um, but it's also, um, 
yeah, we, we have to see the bigger picture. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, um, seems like also from, from your experience, this is quite, um, going in the right direction. Um, anyway, so we have the last winner of the giveaway. Um, first question that we picked is, uh, from Andrew Mitchell. So congratulations to you. Um, $1,000 worth of LDO tokens. Um, so what are the criteria for Lido to decide to onboard a new POS chain and offer liquid staking? So do you have a framework or anything to like decide, like you mentioned, you will do matrix next, like what's the, what's driving that decision and how do you decide which, uh, which assets do you support next? These, uh, some of these community questions make me feel like we're so, uh, unprepared <laughs> internally. Um, right now it's been a little bit of a finger in the wind. It's been which networks are growing, who's getting the highest TVL. Um, Terra was a little bit of a unique one where they just wanted liquid staking and didn't have it. So they were like, we'll help you build it. And so of course, you know, we'll take some free dev cycles. So that was what led to Terra getting stood up so quickly. Solana just had a massive year last year. So it made sense for us to, to prioritize working with them. We are working on an internal framework because as we've grown from a TVL perspective and growing into new networks, more foundations are reaching out to us. So we are trying to form a proper framework where if we can work with the foundation to help co-incentivize, because previously for Solana, for example, and Matic, Lido was um, bearing most of the cost. So what we're doing in the future is working with foundations to help share that load and also help us find um, either a team or teams. One of the, the missions that we're trying to do with Lido is that we don't want, so P2P.org was one of the founding members of Lido, but we don't want them or Chorus to build all of the network expansions because that's another form of centralization. So I, I guess you could call it a franchise model. We are looking to work with foundations to find teams that are going to be long-term partners that know that chain maybe better than our dev team might over on Ethereum and then help build out the infrastructure there and then have a revenue sharing proposal in perpetuity so that there's long-term incentives for the for us to help build it out. So not a clear framework yet, but it's kind of obvious if you look at DeFi Llama and PVLs and growth of users like Avalanche, we should probably prioritize next. We have Matic. Um, looking at phantom because they're growing pretty quickly and then if i'm just going to say near because i i like them and i worked there but if near starts growing really quickly then we probably want to prioritize that so nothing prescriptive yet which i seem to be giving as my answer for a lot of these not yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i actually um i was just wondering so uh, you mentioned tara asked you to design the uh liquid staking for for luna right um because they don't have it. And then I'm, I'm wondering, like, what's your take on if, like, some of these protocols start developing, like, native liquid staking solutions? And um, I I saw that, like, just recently um, there was pushed, like, a liquid staking module for the Cosmos SDK as well. Um, so this would imply, like, a, a native liquid staking um, module or solution on, on these blockchains. What do you think about it? And how do you think that would impact? Lido and and yeah your your products and your business if like some chains decide to to launch native liquid staking that is a a newer conversation um 
that we're just now starting to have. So if it's natively built in on the protocol level, that would obviously deprecate a lot of the functionality for any liquid staking provider. Um, I don't have a good answer for that very candidly because we are just now trying to explore this. And I mentioned convex. They are also in a way an indirect competitor because we were looking at the DApp level as well, not just protocol um, for liquid staking, like staked Ave, for example, could we liquefy that? Um, and Convex has been showing a really clear blueprint of how you can unlock governance while still creating liquidity. So we are exploring that and what the implications would be, but I don't think we have a clear answer for it yet. But if assuming everyone did it at the protocol level, then liquid staking providers like us or others might not have as much utility, I guess, in the long term, if that were to happen. But that's also a big ask for existing networks to upgrade at the protocol level. It's not easy, but it's not unheard of, like you mentioned, Cosmos. Exactly. And I just want to give a big uh, congratulations to all these winners again for the giveaway. Uh, Oh. oh, I think the, the connection is stuck, is it? These sort of giveaways. So keep tuning in, guys. We're oh. going to have consistent giveaways going forward. And Jacob, if you could just tell the people here watching where they can go to learn more about you and the stuff you're working on. Yeah, my Twitter handle is Chain Genius. Um, it just has a, a weird profile picture as a JPEG as my, <laughs> like everyone has my, my handle. Um, you can find me in the discord. It's J B Z J B E E Z Y just first and last initial, um, with some extra letters. And then, yeah, if you are interested in helping out or getting involved with Lido, we would love to have you in the discord or on the research forum, um, to be a part of governance. It is, just to say I have more work than I know what to do with in a 24 hour period is underselling it. And I could use any and all interested parties, <laughs> but I don't think I'm alone in the, the web three space with that, that need. Absolutely. So reach out to Jacob guys and see if you can continue your journey, maybe even helping Lido develop their next set of products. And again, winners, make sure you DM staking rewards on Twitter, drop us a message and our, with our official Twitter handle, and we'll be sure to distribute that LDO out to you. So thank you. Uh, can, do you just want to uh, yeah. re-announce re all the winners? Um, I think there was a question from the audience to like just say all the names from the winners again. Yeah, absolutely. So from the first winner from the retweet and tag to friends contest, that's going to be Twitter handle at no one underscore PK. And for the four community question winners, we're going to have John Bettel, Blockchain Bud, Elfina and Andrew Mitchell. So if you guys think you may have won, but you still have questions, just feel free to shoot us a Twitter DM anyway, and we'll confirm that if you have won or lost. Cool. So again, thank you everyone for watching Staking Mondays. You can check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays on YouTube or Spotify. Please like and subscribe to our channel. Be sure to retweet this uh, post as well. And as always, guys, happy staking. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Marco. And take care. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.